Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to PhD Paranormal. We're two normal PhDs. Study the paranormal. Or something. Like that. <laughs> welcome back, listeners. This is Season 2, Episode 2. We promised regular content. Here we are, two weeks later, with another episode. We are more regular than your bowel movements. Oh. And Dr. Edwin <laughs> told me a terrible joke earlier. And I make him tell you guys. So the joke is, what do you get... When you cross spirituality with castor oil. Oh, God. And the answer is, of course, a religious movement. No. It's amazing. I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. I didn't make up the joke, but there you go. Um, but I, I did make a face. I don't remember what the face was, but I do know that Dr. Ed found it funny. Yes, it was a face. And, you know, since we did talk about ghost poop in an earlier episode, poop is an appropriate way to start off this episode. But we actually aren't going to be talking about poop. We are not. No. This is not the poop show. This is the PhD. Even though actually poop will make an appearance later. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I apologize, but it will happen. All right. So what we're going to be talking about today is we're actually returning a, to our... I'm having a really difficult time. Well, we can... No, no. Let's, let's just soldier on. <laughs> we, can, we can make this work. It's because I'm on my second bottle of Diet Mountain Dew, apparently, and my brain is shorting out. We're going to move away from our conversations about cryptids and cryptozoology, and we're going to move back into the realm of the creepy. And the reason why we want to do this, of course, is because it is September. Um, We're only about 53 days away from Halloween, so we're officially in spooky season, correct? The most wonderful time of the year. Yes, I mean, that's what the song was about. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It was not about Christmas. No. Well, they do mention in the song, Scary Ghost Stories. So there you go. There you go. But we want to talk about haunted houses. And this is a very touchy subject for me because I have a love-hate relationship with haunted houses. Or I'm pure love. Yes. And the reason why is because as a very, very small child, um, I was traumatized. By my own enthusiasm for the spooky, um, (laughs) such as it is. So growing up, uh, I grew up in Montana, of course, and I had uh, four siblings and two parents, right? That's how that thing worked at that particular time. Um, And when I was like five years old, we had a Viewmaster, so one of those wonderful 3D image. I love a Viewmaster. They were amazing. For our younger listeners, it was this toy where you got these like cards that were round and each one had an image like a cell and you'd stick it into the viewfinder and you clicked and you would you could tell a story you could just see pictures and it would go from picture to picture yes and very realistic like very 3d looking yeah. oh they, i love the viewfinder they actually even had um the um talking viewmaster at one point which we had which was battery operated so Ooh. the reels then also had a plastic kind of record on the back that you could slide in and so it would play nice. and narrate so we had a Viewmaster reel of Disneyland, and uh, one of the attractions in Disneyland, among many, is the Haunted Mansion, which has now since been turned into a movie with Eddie Murphy, and um, of course it's been replicated millions of places all over the place. Characters have become kind of popular in certain yes. circles. Yes. But um, we had that particular Viewmaster reel, and I loved it. Okay, It was amazing, right? I looked at all those Viewmasters all the time. So... We, uh, as a family, took a family trip, um, very stressful, I'm sure, for my parents, 
uh, where the seven of us loaded up in a pickup truck with a cab over camper and drove from Montana to Seattle down the Pacific Coast Highway to Disneyland. Nice. That was our trip. And the only thing I wanted to do, the only thing I wanted to do in Disneyland was the Haunted Mansion. Period. Yeah. That was the only thing I wanted to do. And so, of course, we get there and we go to New Orleans Square and we roll into the line and we get into the Haunted Mansion. Now, have you ever been to the Haunted Mansion? I have been to Disney World. Okay. Which I think has a Haunted Mansion, I believe. Okay. Um, But it's been a long time. I just remember the part where you kind of face the mirrors and it looks yes. like there are ghosts, ghosts sitting with you. With you. Yes. But that's I it's, I was young and I don't remember everything. Right. Well, this is a, a relatively scary experience. Remember, I'm like five or six years old, right? And so you walk into the mansion, you go into this room, and it's got these pictures on the wall, and it's actually an elevator room as you start to go down. The pictures elongate into like how the people died, things like that, and then... You're walking down this hallway, and there's the voice narrating it, and like the narrator says, you know, um, something about um, if you keep lurking behind, you won't have to volunteer to be a ghost in the mansion, <laughs> something like that. And then you get into these pod-like cars, and they take you through the mansion. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this, of course, um, after seeing ga- dancing ghosts in the ballroom, after seeing all sorts of scary things, you pass by these mirrors, and you see in the car with you ghosts right and these are the ghosts that are supposedly going to come home with you and remember this was the thing i wanted to do more than anything and i got out and uh my poor mom who's probably listening now and laughing i was traumatized i was in hysterics i was crying like nobody's business do you remember what the ghost was like it was a boy ghost or a girl ghost i think it was a guy ghost i don't remember i feel like it had a hat on okay um but um like we have an awkward family photo of like goofy trying to console me because i was just so traumatized and of course um my dad thinking it would be great fun the entire ride home he Every time we pass one of those cars that's abandoned along the side of the no. road, he's like, oh, those are people who had ghosts come home with them. Eddie Taylor, so. too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I was traumatized by the whole thing. So haunted houses, um, again, I love the idea of them, but they scare the ghost poop out of me from time to time. Yes, and I love a haunted house that might actually be haunted. Right? I do not care for the haunted house attractions. So, like, if you go to an alleged, like, where they set up the fake haunted houses where people jump out at you. Right. Do not care for those. How do you feel about a haunted corn maze? If people are going to jump out at me, no, because I will kick them. <laughs> a roundhouse? No, probably in the shin. <laughs> um, or I'll fall down. Um, <laughs> so, what of those are going to happen? Um Sorry. <laughs> I love a corn maze. I grew up in Indiana. I used to live in the corn. Um, <laughs> um, but I do, though, however, enjoy that there's a TikTok now. I was just telling Dr. Ed about this. There's a TikTok where they basically film people, like the actors film people walking through the haunted house, and it's very funny. <laughs> but yes, I love a haunted house movie. Um, the Haunted Mansion, adorable. Or I can see why it would traumatize five, six-year-old. Yes. Um, and I love a real, depending on how you define it, haunted house story. Right. 
Well, one nice thing that we have discovered living in St. Joe is that there's lots of places that could be haunted. Mm-hmm. In part because um, most people, when they think about the Midwest, they seem to forget that the Midwest is actually pretty old. Yeah. So Missouri this year is celebrating its bicentennial. The state of Missouri was founded in 1821. Mm-hmm. And um, St. Joseph was basically established by Joseph Robidoux. Robidoux? Robidoux. Robidoux. Um, he was a fur trader. Yeah. I mean, he, he becomes a lot of things. Yes. But yeah, I think fur trade. Um, he sort of founded St. Joseph uh, in the Black Snake Hills in 1826. And then um, St. Joe actually becomes incorporated in 1851. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was a lot of opportunity and prospect here. So St. Joe... Um, by the late 1800s, is a city of great wealth and importance, more important than Kansas City was. And so St. Joe has a host of amazing, beautiful mansions, um, many of which now are not occupied um, and have fallen into states of disrepair. So, And some, though, are still well-kept and absolutely gorgeous. Yes. But it's, it's a mixed bag. Yes. So there's, there's lots of places here. If you were just to drive around, you'd say, that's an amazingly spooky looking old uh-huh. mansion and that's because yeah. again we're an old town with lots of these things so what we're going to doc- talk to you today about is an old spooky mansion called the Beatty mansion the Beatty mansion now yes uh dr ed and i were mispronouncing it as Beatty. yes because it's spelled b-e-a-t-t-i-e yes but it's pronounced like Beatty, like, like warren Beatty. warren Beatty. yes spelled differently pronounced similarly yes um, and we chose the Beatty House in large part because it is a place that is locally thought to be haunted, but it's also been, you know, on national television shows. We've had paranormal investigators from all over the country come to investigate the Beatty House. Um, so that's kind of why we chose this one. Yeah. And it's odd because I had never really heard about it in the 10 or 11 years I've been here in St. Joseph. Until we started doing this podcast, yep. I've never heard anyone talk about nope. it. Me either. Um, so it is um, a fun piece of local history. Yeah. So I'm going to give you all just a little bit of background about the house. Because she is a historian. Yeah. This is this is what I do. Yes. My bread and butter. That's right. <laughs> okay. So the Beatty house is um, actually two houses into one. So the original Beatty house was uh, built by the Beatty family. It was um, Armstrong and Eliza Beatty, who built the mansion in 1854. So not too long after uh, the town was actually incorporated. It's nicknamed in town as the House on the Hill, because it's actually on like kind of a big hill. It's interesting if you see pictures of it, because it's up on this hill. There's a big stone wall sort of keeping the land you know, the earth up. Yes. And so it's kind of imposing because it's up on this big hill. Just as an FYI about wealth, Armstrong Beatty was the city's first banker. So he was the first gentleman to actually open a banking facility in town. He then became mayor in 1857. And he is the only person in St. Joseph history to be mayor five times. It is impressive. An impressive political record. Yes. So mayor five times. And one thing, too, just about the location of the house, um, a lot of these old houses are on what's called um, Ruby Way or um, the Museum old Hill. Museum Hill, the old North 
district. A few in the Harris Kemper neighborhood. And in part because if you ever get the opportunity to visit St. Joseph, you would see this. We are actually in bluff country. Mm-hmm. So people, when they hear about the Midwest, they seem to think flatness. But It's just the plains. It's yeah. not really the Midwest. Yes, yeah. St. Yeah. Joe is very, very hilly. So we've got these big bluffs. And so lots of these old houses were built on the bluff so they could overlook the river. Yeah, so they're all they're all pretty close to the Missouri. Yes. So I think I think I haven't been up up to the Beatty Mansion, but I think you could probably see the river fairly yes. easily uh, from it because it's pretty close. Yes, I may drive up there today. Oh, cool. Um, so the big thing, and this is where poop comes back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Armstrong died in 1878 after a short and severe illness, which they attributed to cholera. So cholera is like a bacterial infection that you often get from drinking, um, you know, water that's been contaminated. And it's a very vicious uh, disease leading to a great deal of diarrhea. Yes. Uh, Vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration very quickly. Most people recuperate fine, but you can die very swiftly. And uh, I read a few things that said Armstrong throughout his life had dealt with bouts of cholera. Now, if he actually had cholera, we don't really know. But that's what they would have recognized as that sort of severe, um, beyond what you'd normally get if you ever got food poisoning. Mm -hmm. He died in 1878. Um, Eliza died two years later. I have no information on what she died of. Um, But the thing is, the couple didn't have any children. So they had no heirs. So the house was sold to the Ladies' Union Benevolent Association which purchased the home, and it became a, quote, home for the friendless. So this is where folks who were homeless, um, single mothers, women who were trying to leave prostitution, uh, pretty much anyone who was considered friendless. So it's anyone who didn't have family or friends to take care of them could come live at the home, either for a long time or a short time. And might I add that that's just a remarkable thing? Yeah. It is a kindness that we don't often see. Yep. Especially because it's not really an institution. Like, it was more a place to live. Uh, So it's not like you're not institutionalized or anything like that. I'm not going to suggest that they were all treated really well by the community, which is why they're there in the first place. But it's someplace that took care of them. Right. Now, in 1895, the house was actually converted into the, quote, Memorial Home for the Aged. So what they had found was a lot of the people who were living there were actually elderly. Folks, because, you know, we don't have retirement. We don't have Social Security. Um, and if you didn't have family to take care of you and you were elderly and couldn't work, you were, you know, kind of left without. So it turned into a home for the aged. I had conflicting reports, whether it was that same year or 10 years later, that they actually doubled the size of the house. So essentially, when Armstrong and Eliza built the home, it was a large home. Yes. Right. Um, then it was about almost 9,000 square feet. They then built a second home that has like a, you know, connecting area that looks exactly the same. Uh, I don't think I would know that it was two different homes built, you know. Two different times. Basically 50 years apart had I not learned that. Um, making the home massive. Yeah. Uh, this house is, I wrote it down, uh, 18,000 square feet. So that's roughly, for a reference point, that's about a third of the size of the White House. I mean, that's huge. And I was reading, and they had like 32 bedrooms. Yes. Um, obviously, that's, uh, you know, built there because you have, you know, folks who are living. 
Right. Um, in 1995, basically, folks are moved out of the Beatty Mansion because they wanted more modern facilities, um, larger facilities. Uh, for a short period of time, it becomes another home for folks uh, grappling with addiction issues. That doesn't last very long either. It kind of falls into disrepair. And then in 2004, a private citizen purchased the home with plans to turn it into a bread and breakfast, which I think actually if they could get the mansion back would be great, right? Because it has a massive kitchen, huge dining area, and lots and lots of rooms. Yes. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about this, but the exterior of the buildings I don't think is very attractive. Right. And we will post some photos of it on the Facebook page so you can see what the exterior looks like. It's fairly plain. It's not ornate. No, it's it's a pretty straightforward red brick box. Yes. Right? And on the front, there is a full-length patio down, you know, on the first floor, and then another balcony patio on the second floor. Um, That's, I mean... That's really about it. Yeah. And then the other building looks exactly the same. And in between, there's another red brick area. So you can pass between the east and the west wings. Some of that may have to... I mean, I'm not an architect, but some of that may have to do with the time when it was originally built. Mm-hmm. Because the more ornate houses that you see in St. Joseph yeah. were built a little bit later. For sure. And they capture that um, Victorian style and some of that... Um, would it be Georgian style? Edwardian style? Some some King Monarch style that we might know about? Um, I'll be frank. I'm a historian, but architectural history is not my wheelhouse. So our architects who are listening, Yes. all of you, please please send us your thoughts about what style of architecture a building that was built in 1856, 51? I just said it a moment ago. Yes. I think it was four. 1854. We'll split the difference. Hold on. Hold on. He became mayor. Yes. 1854 is when he built it. 1857 is when he becomes the mayor. Okay. So in 1854, if you have any thoughts about what would be a traditional style of wealthy architecture in the Midwest at that time and let us know, we would appreciate it. Yeah. Because we are not uh, well equipped for that. Yeah. It's great to learn because knowledge is power. (laughs) And of course, the gentleman who purchased the home in 2004 still owns the home. Yes. Now, do we know, is he local or is he... I don't know. Okay. Um, I know he lived there for a short time before, and we can get into this when we start talking about the you know the yes. hauntings, before, according to him, he got overwhelmed. Right. And left. Right. Um, but he did live there for a while because, again, it's you can see the potential inside the home, but it's very dilapidated. Like, it's safe, but it's not nice. Right. Which, again, would make sense because the idea is that you're, you know, these aren't original walls, a lot of them. These aren't necessarily the original rooms they've set up so that more they could fit more folks into the home to serve more of the population, which I think is awesome. But Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, there, there are hints of beauty, but it, it would take a lot to get it back to, I think, it's, what people would expect of a bed and breakfast. It's grandeur. Yes. Such as it was. Yeah. Fair enough. So, dear listeners, true true confessions, um, neither Dr. Evan nor I have actually been inside the mansion. No. And um, so our information comes from various sources. Yep. Not personal experience. So Great. So, online sources where people are talking about their experiences. Um, if you actually go to, like, Travel Advisor, 
they people talk about their experiences. Lots of people saying I didn't experience anything. Other people saying that they experienced various things. Um, but part of the reason we chose the Beatty Mansion was because professional paranormal investigators have been there. Yes, several of them. Yeah. And so actually we watched two different programs about the Beatty Mansion where they had um, paranormal investigators. I watched one called Paranormal Lockdown, um, which uh, features her. His name is Nick Groff and her name is Katrina, but I do not remember her last name. Oh, so Paranormal Lockdown then, if it's Nick Groff, Nick Groff was once associated with Ghost Adventures mm-hmm. and they had some sort of a falling out. And he started his own shig-ding-a-ding. Yes. So it was Nick Groff and then Katrina. And I, I apologize that I don't remember her last name. But for a while, she actually also worked with Jack Osborne. So Ozzy Osborne's son. Oh. Who was interested in the paranormal. Well, well um, given his dad, that would make sense. <laughs> He's the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> um, so they did some investigations together. The idea of paranormal lockdown is they're in there for 72 hours without leaving. With the idea being something that you and I had talked about before. Which is, if you're there for eight hours at night, are you actually really investigating? Right. So the idea is that they are investigating for a full 72 hours. Hopefully getting enough data to make accurate um, conclusions, I guess. Hopefully. Yes. And then what did you watch, Dr. Ed? So I watched something, and um, as a fair warning, right, um, just so you can make better life choices. Sorry, this is an aside, <laughs> right? And I apologize to your listeners for the aside before I talk about it. But I was watching the show and I was watching the show while eating a bowl of blueberry crunch because it's spooky season. <laughs> and um, they had blueberry crunch on sale. Is that your favorite of the, um, actually, of I the do, haunted series? I do believe I prefer Count Chocula okay. upon reflection. Okay. But um, I don't think I can eat any of them anymore because blueberry crunch... Um, is very sandpapery. So, like, it's very, like, the roof of my mouth is very sore oh. <laughs> from munching on the crunch and, and, and the blueberry. So, oh, dear. Um, but anyway, so as I tortured myself with blueberry crunch, <laughs> I um, was watching a show called Afterlife Sessions, which is actually on Amazon Prime. And such is my devotion to you, dear listeners. I actually paid $1.99 <gasps> to purchase the episode because it was not available. You could watch it for free on YouTube. Well, biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, mine mine would have cost money, but I have Discovery Plus. Right. Um, I have a free, uh, whatever, trial will, right now. So I'll have to reach out to my patron and see if, <laughs> see if the captain will buy me $1.99 worth of food to compensate. <laughs> um, but after life sessions, they, it's two guys and a cameraman. And they were just in the Beatty house overnight. It was later in the season, not the season of the show, but in the seasons of the seasons, right? Okay. Um, Because it was cold. There was snow on the ground and it was about 40 some degrees in the house, they were saying. So that that matters in how they were talking about this Right. And the house does have um, electricity, um, but I don't think it has modern heating. Right. Um, And then also it does have running water. Yes. So it has some... More modern amenities, but also um, the paranormal group. I don't. They didn't really specify when they were there, but it seemed more like fall. Right. So they were chilled. They had on. They had sleeping bags and right. on coats, um, but it wasn't quite as late in the yeah um, season. So I mean, if they were, if if there was snow on the ground, they must have been filming. It probably was 
maybe November, possibly December. Mm -hmm. We don't tend to get a ton of snow here in St. Joe that sticks around for long periods of time. We're more prone to ice and stuff like that. Yeah, and also a lot of that hits more like January, February yeah. for us. So um, which one would you like to talk about first? Which of our viewing experiences? Um, I don't know. What are you... Well, why don't I talk about after yeah. our sessions first? Because it was terrible. <laughs> and no disrespect to the hardworking paranormal researchers, I'm sure that they had their, I'm sure they had a plan. Um, but the episode starts off with a, a local historian who actually self-identified as the house historian um, talking a little bit about the history of the house. So talking about, um, uh, uh, I forget the guy's name now. Armstrong? Armstrong. I want to call him Archibald for some reason. That's not his name though. I know, but <laughs> that's what I do. I just make stuff up. Um, Armstrong and Eliza. And one of the things that, and I don't know if this came up on your show, but one of the things that was brought into question was how Armstrong died. It did, and I am not convinced. But, right. Because, but, but, but tell our listeners what they thought. Well, what the historian said is that, of course, Armstrong purportedly died of cholera. Mm -hmm. But, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, cholera presents very similar to how someone would die if they died of arsenic poisoning. Mm -hmm. And so the story that the historian told was that, um, gosh, you want to call him Archibald? Armstrong. Armstrong um, wrote his will, and Eliza found the will and found out that he was leaving her nothing but the house, um, should he have died. And coincidentally, um, it was a short period of time after she discovered the will that he developed cholera and died. So there is... Suspicion, okay, that she done him in. Yes, I'm not convinced of that. Well, you know, truthfully, I, again, listeners, pardon the aside, it wouldn't make much sense because if she was mad that all she was getting is a house, right, why would she kill him earlier, right? As opposed to trying to yes. get the will changed. and Also, weirdly, I was just searching. Yeah. I found the will. Oh, really? Yeah. He left her the house and half of his real estate and um, personality property. Oh. So in reality, he left her not a lot of cash. Right. But he left her basically everything. She got half, Eddie. That's yeah. the old joke. So, goes. well, and so the, he based, he was very specific. She got the entire house and half of his other real estate, which it wasn't in the will, it doesn't lay that out. Right. Um, and his personality, which is like their personal property. So the furniture, her clothes, all of that. And, um, it does lay out where a lot of the other money went. And having looked at his obituary, they had some, it sounded like, and again, this is just from reading a few things, that they had some children from other families that were, they were very close to. Okay. Um, that they didn't raise, but that, you know, sounded like very, very close. And so he left a lot of that to them. So see, friends, this is why you should be a historian, because you can learn all this stuff. You know, as opposed to just to listening to someone who says they're a historian and presents a very <laughs> narrow part of the story. And again, I don't mean any disrespect for the person. I doubt they're listening to our podcast. But, right, it seems like there's a lot more to the story than was presented in afterlife sessions. Yeah, and also, I don't, I'm with you, though. I don't understand, like, if you're mad about the will, then why do you off him? Well, I Because mean, you still don't get the stuff. You know, perhaps, you know, she was a woman and irrational, right? Isn't that what some people uh, would suggest? Just uh, irrational uh, anger, right? Oh, I'm so mad. 
I'm going to screw myself over. Well, and also, I'm not sure why they would assume arsenic is very easy to get, but at that time, so are a lot of other poisons. Right. So I'm not sure why they just assumed it was arsenic poisoning. Cause Maybe most, how it presents. I don't know. Well, most poisonings are going to present very similarly, which Good. is nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, skin lesions, red skin, you know, like they're going to look pretty similar. But I do find it interesting that if you read some of the other stuff, he had bouts of intense right. stomach issues. Now, I don't know why. Well, we've all been there. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it sounds to me as if he had a number of these episodes, even before he married Eliza. He had had episodes like this, and then this is the one that right. finished him off. So, anyway, so that's the aside. Yes, yeah, sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> basically, these two paranormal investigators with their camera men um, spent the night in the show, and or night in the, in the, in the house. <laughs> the night in the house. And... Um, most of the activity takes place in, from what they were saying, is in three main areas. The second floor, which is where Eliza purportedly roams. Same on Paranormal Lockdown. And they didn't really talk much about that. Um, the kitchen area, the kitchen, where they spent quite a bit of time. And then the basement. Which is another area identified. The kitchen, not so much, but the yeah. basement. And where they say is Eliza's area, where right. I'm assuming... Men and women generally did not share bedrooms if they were that wealthy. So it was probably her quarters. Right. Because it's in the original house. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what they did, and this is why I think the show wasn't particularly compelling, um, in terms of evidentiary um, efforts, they went down to the basement and they had a teddy bear because they're all about trigger objects. Because given the history of the house, they're so, it's not just... Um, the Beatty family, right? It is a whole bunch of families that have been there, right? It's Be been home to lots of people. Right, because... Including children. Yes. And so it's often heard that you hear children like running around. Mm -hmm. And so they brought the teddy bear as a trigger object. And so they set up a, uh, a teddy bear and then they set up next to the teddy bear an electromagnetic um, frequency field generator. Um, so if something broke the field, they would note that. Then they laid out a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of baby powder. So if there were little teeny tiny footsteps, they would perhaps see that or see something get disturbed. I I'm, I find that really kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't know why that in of itself is like oh no. <laughs> I'm weirded out by it. I don't know why. And then they set up a, a light with a motion detector. Mm -hmm. And they tried to trigger it, and they did get the light to finally come on. Obviously, they didn't get much changes, though, in the EMF field, and nothing, no little footprints um, in the baby powder. And then after that, they went to the kitchen area, and they really talked a lot about, oh, we think something is here. Oh, look, there's an orb. Right, so there's a lot of conversation about orbs flying around, and orbs are supposedly some sort of energy manifestation of the spirit world. Um, and that's why the temperature made a big deal to them, because they said it's like 40 degrees in here, there's no bugs. Okay, it's not like it's a bug being caught by the light. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and then uh, they were in the hallway by the stairwells that went up to Eliza's thing, and the guy said something about Eliza and then another orb kind of shot down like, oh, Eliza's mad. Um, 
So anyway, they didn't have a lot of good evidence, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, There was, at one point, a bang that they heard. um, And again, you know, the house is, um, you know, there's there's people around St. Joseph. It's not like it's in the middle of nowhere, right? No, no. So, you know, they heard a bang, and they thought that someone else was in the house, and they're like, you know, we will call the police, right, if if there's a house. And, you know, given St. Joe, it is possible someone could have been in the house. It's enormous, right? Yeah, Um, I mean, again, Mm 18,000 square feet. But um, they never found anything, but they found a rock. And like, where would this rock have come from? Why is this rock in the house? Right? I'm like, you guys are not really sounding to me. <laughs> but the other thing they talked quite a bit about, um, and this was really the, 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 the point where I was kind of turned off by the whole thing. Is they said, well, this really isn't about hauntings. This is about parallel universes yeah. and the multiverse. And they, I think they were trying to present as clever where they're like, well, maybe we're the ghosts invading their spaces, right? And I was so, like, oh. So the others. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm done with you. You know, if I yeah. want that, I'll watch Nicole Kidman and do that. So yeah. In a much better way. Yes. So, you know, I think when people like myself watch these documentaries, we're hoping for like at least evidence that even if it is not real, at least can give us a little spook or a fright. And yeah. there's just really nothing there. Um, so if you're going to watch something on the Beatty Mansion, probably don't watch this one. But Paranormal Lockdown was actually pretty interesting. Um, again, it kind of has that style of all the ghost hunting shows where it's like, you don't see or hear anything, but then, and then the music is like, dunk, dunk, and they freak out. Um, but they started out by interviewing the owner. Okay. Who talked about his experiences. Yeah. See, they didn't do that on after life yeah. sessions. Um, so they interviewed him. Um, he talked about how he would see shadows all the time. So there's a lot of talk of shadow people. Yes. And they didn't mean them, the way that they talked about them was on the wall. So it was mm-hmm. almost like somebody's shadow was on the wall and then would quickly move. Right. Um, so not like full shadow figures. Right. They also talked a lot about um, cold spots and static electricity. So a lot of people talked about getting shocked. Okay. You know, the way that you do, like, in the winter especially, when it's dry and you touch something metal. Right. You're wearing socks and shuffling across the carpet. Right. But not having touched anything. Right. Like, almost feeling like a static shock, but you've not touched something metal. Gotcha. The big experience the owner had that really made him decide to leave was he was sleeping, and it started to storm. Um, Lots of storms. In, you know, Missouri. Yes, the Midwest is well known for its violent weather. Yeah, and so just a standard thunderstorm. He just said it was raining hard, thunder and lightning. And then all of a sudden, he heard a full party downstairs. A, a full party? A party. A party. Yeah, like people talking, laughing, music. And at first, because again, where it is, his assumption was somebody was having a party. Outside. Okay. But he was like, well, that's weird because it's raining. Right. Um, But again, like I hear parties from where I, you know, it's just common. Right. So he went downstairs and he kept hearing it. And so eventually he went downstairs, kind of walked around, didn't say anything. And all of a sudden it just stopped. Now, do you know, did he say, was he living by himself at the time? He was there and um, it's a little unclear. He has a caretaker, but I don't think the caretaker was there. Okay. The guy, the gentleman who owns it also said he would hire people to come work, you know, try and rehab it, and he couldn't keep them in very long because they would have creepy experiences. Right. Like things would go missing. Yeah. Tools would go missing, um, see figures, hear 
uh, footsteps and laughter. Um, one guy said that he almost got shoved down the stairs. Um, and again, in Eliza's alleged area. Um, people have been touched, etc. I mean, she wasn't arsenic poisoner, so why wouldn't she shove someone down the was. stairs? Poor thing. She's probably mad because everyone says she poisoned her husband. <laughs> probably. Um, another person I interviewed was the former caretaker. Okay. So that's why I kind of don't think he lives local, the okay. um, gentleman who owns. But again, I don't know for sure. Uh, the caretaker uh, was there alone, started storming. So this is going to be important to the paranormal people. Started storming. All of a sudden, the um, door to his bedroom, he said, started banging. But not like somebody's knocking, more like something is like moving the entire door. Okay. Um, so he freaked out, thinking actually that somebody was breaking into the house. Fair point. Because uh, it had had um, some break-ins, you know, as empty houses can. Another reason why you would have ghost poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once the banging stopped, he went out into the hall. All the lights were on and every single bedroom door was open when they kept them closed. Okay. So that weirded him out. <laughs> um, and he didn't want to stay for much longer. So what the paranormal people kept noticing in those descriptions, but also in a few others, is that everything got worse when it was storming. Okay. And so Nick Groff just said, lightning intensifies experiences. No explanation as to why. I assume maybe the electricity and present in lightning or something. But he never explains why. But he was like, it's well known in paranormal communities that lightning intensifies experiences. And related to that... Um the folks on Afterlife Sessions did mention that much of this is built on limestone. Limestone again? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I don't know if you all remember that from our Sally House. If you haven't listened to Sally House, uh, yes. if you're a first-time listener, um, then you should go back because there's all this paranormal stuff about how limestone is a great conductor of psychic or spiritual energy in some way. Right. Why? I don't know. I'm a political scientist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they did a few different things. They started out, again, they're there for 72 hours. Um, so some of these things that they saw or experienced were shadow figures. Um, a couple times they heard phantom piano music. Okay. Um, Nick Groff felt like somebody grabbed his throat. Um, and he started coughing and said he felt that. They were using a, a kind of EVP that I hadn't seen before, and I... Wasn't really sure what it was. It looked like an old radio. Mm -hmm. um, and the voices would come through. So they did say a few things. Um, when they were up in Eliza's area, they heard somebody say, I'm sorry. And somebody said, it's all my fault. Um, and a couple of other little things where it did kind of sound... Again, I don't... You know, I have some um, skepticism. But they would ask questions and what came through could be reasonable answers to the questions they asked. So they were maintaining that they were getting direct response. Right. Like he walked into a room and you do kind of see it looks like a rock or something is thrown. And he jumps and it's not big. Right. And he goes, who threw that? And somebody, you hear a giggle and me hmm. on the EVP. Because the interesting thing is they weren't using um, EVP. They were using a spirit box. And spirit boxes, for those of you who don't know, are boxes that channel radio frequencies mm -hmm. um, at super high speeds. And that the hope is is that you can hear communication through these. But um, it wasn't annoying like the one on BuzzFeed Unsolved. Right. Where it was like... Ch -ch -ch -ch. Right. This one, you didn't hear anything unless you heard sounds. Okay. 
Um, they also set up in Eliza's area of the basement. They had the standard equipment, right. cameras everywhere, etc. Heard lots of child giggling, which is mm-hmm. always creepy. Right. Um, they also heard a few bangs, that sort of thing. In the house are basically the cameraman and the two investigators. They then decide, this is where it gets a little interesting for me. They say, okay, let's mimic a storm. Like, okay. we can't have a storm, but let's mimic one. So they have another paranormal investigator come. She brings a Van der Graaff machine, which if you don't know, like, if you've ever been to, like, a science museum and you touch the thing and your hair flies up, right. that's a Van der Graaff machine. A much smaller version, but it creates static electricity. They brought in uh, a Jacob's Ladder. I don't know what that is. It's kind of, if you, you've seen them probably in, like, a... Um, interesting science museum or sometimes as um, decor and like mad scientist films. It's the thing where you've got like two things, you know, kind of standing and you see like the electrical impulse walk up it. Okay. So, so she's walking up with her fingers right now. Do, 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 do. Yeah. So it's almost like the two poles are creating electricity. Okay. Yes. And it goes. Do, 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 do. And right. I mean, it really goes. Right. That's what it sounds like. You can laugh at me, but that's what it sounds like. Fair enough. Um, an ion motor. Okay. Which changes the um, pressure okay. in the house. And then a haze generator, which creates more humidity. Okay. Because we need that in Missouri. <laughs> they were, it was, you know, fallish, so there probably wasn't a ton. Um, but the idea, what they're trying to do is to create as close as possible to the, like, effects of a storm so they right. can't actually create lightning but let's give them the static let's give them the electricity etc um once that happens they do have some physical experiences touching they see some stuff moving on cameras again nothing that's super obvious but some shadows that sort of thing they also you might know what this is i didn't know what the actual machine was called it's that thing where they can point it at stuff and it shows you what almost looks like little figures like the little stick yes. figures i don't know what it is called but yes it's supposedly capturing um so like if a person shows up it basically has like little dots like where your joints are right and sticks for your like limbs yes um and it allegedly can pick up ghosts because you can see the outline of them. Yes. So Nick is standing there and they're picking up another figure to like his left. And he would put his hand out. And when he would touch, allegedly, the thing, he would jerk back saying he was shocked. And you'd see the little thing move. Okay. Like move away. Right. Sidebar, readers, if anyone wants us to do a smaller episode just on ghost hunting equipment, let us know. Yeah. And we will happily try to find out more about this stuff. Because I don't actually know what it's how it's reading. Right. Because it's very clear when it's people. Yeah. Right? But I don't know how it's measuring the other little things. Um, and they kind of wrap up by saying they have some evidence of spooky haunted, you know, spooky situations. Um, that they think it's haunted. That um, they're not sure by whom. But there are a lot of people who have died in the home over the years right um it seemed from what i saw that a lot of the activities in the old wing less in the newer wing um, and they also suggested that for a lot of people in that place the longer they're there the more experiences they have it gets more intense hmm. interesting so they were they just i think it was kind of also a justification for why they stay for so long right 
Um, but yeah, they basically just say, yeah, we think it's haunted. Nothing really felt super malicious. Um, and their theory as to why there wasn't a lot of activity until he came was because he was remodeling. Now, that doesn't hold a lot of weight for me because obviously they have remodeled extensively throughout the years to make right. it a home for um, the friendless, to make it a home for the aged. Right. They've actually physically built another wing. Maybe, if we were to speculate, which is all we can do, yep. maybe it is not the remodel itself that is the trigger. It is the purpose of the remodel because every renovation that seems to have happened had been one that was meant to help people mm -hmm. in some meaningful way, changing to the home for the friendless, to the home for the aged, to the um, uh, addiction rehabilitation space, and turning into a bed and breakfast is purely about pure profit. There's no one you're not helping anyone in that. So maybe the spirits who linger are um, disgruntled about how this space, which perhaps was a space of caring, kindness for them, and compassion, is suddenly turned into a whore for capitalism. <laughs> um, one aside, I just read about this, and I thought it was interesting. So most of the identified ghosts, if they identify them, is Eliza. Right. But there are tales from soon after Armstrong died that they saw people saw Armstrong walking from the house to Mount Mora Cemetery, which we've talked briefly about. Right. We're also taking some students on a tour. Yes. Because that's where he and Eliza are buried. Which we'll have to make sure and check out. Yeah. And the problem is that he didn't have a very good stone. And it had been damaged over the years. Um, so now it's like I looked it up. It's a small. It's not very. Um, uh, Monumental. Yeah. He's not buried in one of those beautiful crypts or anything like that. And so people, the news and stuff had hypothesized that he was upset by his lack of real, um, real monument at his um, gravesite. Well, it's Eliza sticking it to him one more time. Not well, only she did didn't she have the money. Not only, not only did she murder him, she gave him a tiny headstone. It's, I mean, it's actually fairly in keeping with what people were building then, because right. we weren't quite at the stage with the massive monuments. That's just not what people were doing. Um, but it had been damaged. So, again, this is a little side that was in the newspaper. Right. People reporting having seen him walking. Because, again, he's very famous in town. Yes. Five-time mayor. Um, so people had reported seeing him walking to his own grave. One of the things that is also interesting as you look at these different stories about the Beatty Mansion is the nature of the spirits. Because, again, as you said, the folks on uh, Paranormal Sessions said... Is that what it was? Lockdown. Paranormal, Paranormal lockdown. lockdown. Sorry, I'm conflating the That's two. Okay. On Is that, oh, it, there are ghosts here. It doesn't appear to be malevolent, except, you know, Nick Groff did say someone grabbed his throat. There are mixed stories that they're in the basement. There is supposed to be a male figure who is actually, um, has some malice mm. to him. But then the historian said, oh, everyone here is pretty friendly, right? You know, so... It is interesting, kind of, well, what is the nature of the haunting? And with children giggling, right, that raises this whole question because we don't know, for example, how many children died while they're at the Beatty house, right? Yeah, I suspect not many. Yeah. Just because we're not talking about, Again, it, it, unless their moms were there with them. Right, that's why yeah. they'd be there. Right, because it wasn't um, an orphanage. No, and actually they ended up moving. They did find that they had more children coming, and they moved them to the noise home, right. which is an actual 
um, I hate the word orphanage, but right. that's essentially what it was. Right. An orphanage. And it, the noise home still operates. Yeah, and it's no longer like an orphanage, but right. it's a place where, especially for short term, if families, you know, need time yeah. to go, you know, to rehab or right. need time. Families in crisis. Yeah, to... that they can take their kiddos there and they'll be safe. And they're not in foster care. It's like a, right. a short term care so that you know your children are safe with the expectation that you will reunite. Right, right. So it is, again, that's just one of those question marks that we don't really know about the Beatty houses. Um, you know, if it is Eliza, for example, I mean, that is the obvious story because she's such a prominent figure. But, you know, why would she stick around? You know, why is she still there? Um, why didn't she pass over after she murdered her husband? <laughs> I figure if I say it enough, it becomes true, right? Well, and also I still think it's a good story. Maybe. I really think that's the deal. Um, and also, of course, they take somebody saying, I'm sorry, and it's all my fault, to being Eliza, oh, having murdered her husband. Gotcha. Um, again, though, I'm not convinced. I think he died of... Poops. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really kind of what he died of. Yeah. He got incredibly dehydrated, probably. Yes. Because, um, as you know, for those of you who had food poisoning, um, he's looking down. We've all had food poisoning. Yes. That You know, the big thing that they tell you is make sure that you're getting fluids. Right. Um, you know, even if you end up, they leave you again, right. um, you will absorb some of it. Right. So keep right. drinking, et cetera. So if it was cholera or something else, it's violent. Right. Like it's, it's very aggressive. So one thing that is also worth thinking about is, um, and maybe this is a transition point for us to sure. think about, um, why we really didn't get many reports of anything from the Beatty Mansion until... The renovation starts. So would you like to talk about that? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like to assume the worst sure. of people. But as paranormal PhDs, we do want to be skeptical and think about all the possible explanations. Um, again, it's a huge mansion. I don't know the gentleman who owns it. I don't want to impugn his character or anything no. like that. I don't know what kind of money he has. He did not, it was not particularly expensive when he purchased it. To take that house and put it into what people expect of it, it's going to be a lot of money. For b and right. A lot of money. And also in an area where we do have tourism, but I don't know if we could support that size of a bed and breakfast having it be regularly filled. Right. Because we don't have that many B&Bs in town, actually. No, we have a couple, but not many, and not they're many. small. Right. Um, they don't have a... T well, they're in mansions, et cetera, but there's not 32 rooms. Right. And like, he might not have ended up with that many. Right. Um, but, I mean, he's getting money from the ghost tourism. Right. Like, right now, you could call them up, rent the Beatty Mansion for a night for $400. Right. Um, and obviously the cost of keeping it up could, does cost money, for sure. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking if I'm looking at a situation where maybe this is not a real return on my investment, then this could be a way for me to make money. And it could be that he's saying, look, it is haunted, and this is still a way for me to make money. Right. So I, I don't know. Um, and it could be, too, that, you know, maybe it always was haunted, and people said stuff about it, but we're not in a world in which people are reporting every paranormal right. experience the way we do now because people right. are interested yeah it does i mean again 
as we want to make very clear, like we're not impugning this fellow's character. Mm-mm. We're not suggesting that he is misleading anyone. Um, no, 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 in, no. In this, but for example, if you take a place like the Velisca Axe Murder House, which we've talked about in the previous show, that too rents out for four hundred dollars a night, um, and it is booked solid. Yeah, right? there is not an availability any day of the week. As you look at that. So again, if you're talking about 30 days at 400 bucks a night, you're talking about $12,000 times 12. It's a, what is that? 12,000 times 12. Isn't that uh, uh, $1.4 million a year or a hundred? I just want to watch you do your math. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. But you can see that, you know, the incentive might be that, well, gosh, there is money to be made from this. And if we can't turn it into a and b Okay, so that's a decent living, right? For nothing that has any really immediate upkeep costs, right? Because you don't have to staff it. You don't have to... And and from what I saw, because I read another account, it's kind of like Airbnb where they set it up so you can get the key, open it up yourself. Um, Again, they do have running water. They have, you know, toilets, etc. But you're not supposed to sleep on the furniture, etc. They have just a microwave so you can heat up. Some coffee or something, but a hot pocket. A hot pocket. Um, but no, they're not expecting you to like use a ton of electricity to use a ton right. of water. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing, though, is there is opportunities to go and explore this house, mm-hmm. and um, it is something that we may choose to do in the future because it is very local to us. I mean, it would cost us nothing but four hundred dollars to rent it for a night. Mm-hmm. So if there's any patrons out there who would like to sponsor... Because we can have five people yes. for $400. Yes. So if, if folks would like to... Uh, <laughs> if the captain would like to come down... <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> for where the captain lives. I don't know if... I genuinely don't know if the captain is up or down, <laughs> left or right. Because I don't understand geography. But if the captain... geography matters. <laughs> it does matter. It does. But I don't understand it. No. Uh, so yeah, if any patrons would like to join us if we decide to do this. Right, because we will happily explore the place um, mm-hmm. um, uh, at any given time. And they do also have guided um, sessions with, uh, you know, paranormal investigators. No one as famous as, like, Nick Groff um, that you can sign up for as well. There's a ton of different tour companies that right. do it. I think Apex Tours is the one that does most of them. But yeah. they do, and they, again, ghost tourism is big business. There's yes. a lot of money to be made. Yep. Um, and so most of the places you're going to see in these tour shows are places that are basically hired out. So, again, you could tour the Sally House. You can tour the Felicity Axe Murder House. No one's Mac- living at these places. Uh, McIntyre Manor. McIntyre Villa. McIntyre Villa, sorry. That's okay. Again. That's I, also in um, Atchison. You're right. Right. So there's all sorts of these places. Um, but if we do go, we will certainly let you know what we find. We may even try some live, live <laughs> podcasting. I'm just merging everything together. Dr. Ed's having a hard time. <laughs> it's when you drink a cup of Starbucks and then two Diet Mountain Dews, your brain well, starts to fuse. And also readers, or readers, <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Yes, that's what um, they do. They listen. Yeah, uh, your professors, if you're in school, or if you're out of school and just think back to your professors, if you you know attended college, we all start losing it at a certain period of the semester. And I don't know why, but it seems to be early this year. Yeah. We're only in week four. We're just starting our fourth week of classes. Um, but we're all kind of losing it. Yes. Um, 
So uh, we did want to kind of wrap up our session today with a actually rather spooky story. Yay! And it is a spooky story that was sent to us by a listener. We love it. Send us more. So we will, of course, listen to any stories that you send us. Well, we will read them, and we will read them on uh, on the podcast. As you write them, we will only edit them for length if need be, um, if we think they're going to go too long. And as always, if you want to be anonymous, this listener chose asked us to be anonymous, um, which is completely fine by us. Yes. So we'll also make sure, um, this listener did make sure that in the story there's not really anything... Um, identifiable right but if there is something we can nix that out as well so please know because again we've talked about this before but there are reasons why people don't want others to know that they have had experiences yes so you're ready for the story i am i'm excited okay so again i'm reading the story exactly as it was sent to us by the listener so here you go my husband and I lived in a traditional American four-square home with four bedrooms on the second floor built in 1912. We bought the home soon after we were married, with the hopes of adding children to our family. At the time, we had only two dogs and a very cranky cat. And of course, I love the cat. When we first moved in, the dogs and I would often witness things that most people, including my husband, would discard as, quote, old house sounds, forgetfulness, and coincidence. The dogs and I, however, knew the house was haunted. Sometimes I would hear faint whisperings, cabinet doors would be opened that I knew were closed moments before, and the dogs were often spooked by unseen forces in the corners of rooms. None of these things seemed threatening, however, so I paid little attention to them. We soon welcomed a baby girl and then a baby boy to our family. Incidents began to take a turn about the time our children were ages four and two. One day, both kids were playing in my son's room. My daughter called for me and said, Mom, make him stop. What is your brother doing that you don't like, I said. Not him, she replied. She turned and pointed toward the corner of the room. That man. He won't stop looking at us. I don't like it. Of course, I see nothing, but we all make a quick exit anyway. At the time, my daughter was beginning to have night terrors, which the internet assured me was normal for this age. I had come into her room several nights in a row to hold her while she cried and screamed in her sleep, but she never really woke up or spoke to me. Until one night, I came in to find her sitting straight up in bed, eyes wide open and focused on me as I entered the room. She looked a little scared. Oh, sweetie, I'm here. You're safe, I said. Mommy, they won't stop, she cried. What won't stop, baby? I asked. They won't stop talking to me. Make them stop talking to me, she cried as she leaned into my arms and tucked her head down. Who, baby? Who won't stop talking to you? She pointed into the dark corner of the ceiling, looked at me, and leaned in to whisper. The darkness. Nope, don't care for that. Both kids slept in bed with us that night. I also assure you that I went through several rounds of prayer and cleansing. The final incident of note. Both kids were asleep and my husband and I were watching television downstairs. I heard my son moving around and went up to check on him. By this time, he was no longer sleeping in his crib and was able to get up on his own. The bedroom door was closed. 
but when I opened it, he was standing right there, with his head tucked down just a little, staring at me. I immediately got a sinking feeling in my stomach. Hey, baby, are you okay? I asked. There was a brief pause, and then, in a deep, scratchy voice, with heavy accent on each syllable, he said, Mommy. <laughs> Mommy. Quite honestly, it was like something out of a Doctor Who episode written by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> Sorry. Honey, wake up. I put my arms around him. I did a lot of sleepwalking as a child, so I thought perhaps he was doing the same. He was completely rigid. Wake up, I said a little louder. No response. He stood there completely rigid, but kept his eyes on me, seemingly without blinking the entire time. I prayed a moment and then carried him downstairs to my husband. We sat on the couch with him for a few minutes, trying to comfort him, awaken him, something. But he never spoke and never took his eyes off me. Never even looked at his dad. He remained very tense throughout his body. When nothing we did seemed to make a difference, we decided to just continue to watch our movie and cradle him. Absolutely no change in him for about 30 minutes. Then suddenly, he just completely slumped and closed his eyes, fast asleep. I began house hunting the next day. So first of all, you did a very good job. Oh, thank you. Of reading that. Thank Even, you. Aside from my giggles and like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yes, uh, terrifying. You know, when the hauntings involve children, because children to me are inherently creepier. Right? I mean, if something comes out of a human voice, it's scary. But if something like creepy comes out of a child's voice, it's much creepier. Right. And I guess what disturbs me about these sorts of stories is there's enough quote-unquote literature to suggest that small children see things and experience things that adults have sort of trained themselves not to see or hear or pay attention to, that we spend so much of our time trying to avoid cognitive dissonance in our brains, we basically just tell ourselves up that, nope, nope, not even going to pretend that's there, right? Just Mm going to do something else. Where kids don't have those filters, and so when they hear the darkness... (laughs) talking to them, then perhaps um, it is um, really disturbing. Well, and even if, for example, her kiddos were having night terrors, it's still terrifying. Yes. Like, that's still scary. And as a person who continues to sleepwalk, not often, but I do sometimes, um, it's disturbing. Because sometimes that line between dream and reality gets very, um, there's not a clear delineation at first, especially when you sleepwalk. Um, so it can be, it's scary, you know, so even if there is a normal, if you will, explanation for what occurred, like it's still frightening. Yes. It's frightening for parents to see their kids going through that. And it's scary, scary for the kiddos. Yeah. So, um, we appreciate the story listener. And of course we'll happily again, appreciate all the stories you want to send us. Bring, send us as many as you'd like. We love them. They can be funny experiences. They can be truly creepy experiences. We are never going to judge your experience. No, Um, no. But this terrifies me. 
Well, and like I said, regardless of whether it is something supernatural or whether it's something explainable, it's still scary. Yeah, that would be me noping my way out of there. Well, I mean, the second that kiddo said the darkness, I'd be out. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Off we go. (laughs) But, you know, that's a funny thing, right? According to Eddie Murphy, white people don't leave houses, right? So we would just be there forever. Well, and then we did get a little bit more detail from that listener um, about how... uh, I can't remember if it was that house or when they were house hunting. That they're oh, I think it was when they were house hunting. They went into the basement of a house and it still had like this really ornate mirror left over. And the listener was like, oh, we're going." Yeah, like, nope. We don't leave crap in houses. <laughs> Off we go. Well, mirrors are terrifying. Well, and everything else was out of the house except for this large ornate mirror. Right. Which they were like, "Let's go." Which reminds me, in another episode at some point, remind me to tell you the story of the manger that was found in my friend's house. Oh, God. Okay. But we won't talk about it this time around. Because, dear listeners, we are about out of time. Yes. And we want to welcome you once again back to the spooky season. And thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Share us with your friends. Yes. Um, You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. We do have a Facebook page uh-huh. that you can check us out at. PhD and, Paranormal. And we do have an email address you can send us stuff to, which is? PhDParanormal at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. All one word, nothing fancy, because we are simple folks. Yep. And we will be back in roughly two weeks with a new story related to? Missouri hauntings. Yes, because this is a creepy state. Um, there's all sorts of creepy things that happen around here, and we want to share them with you so you can come and visit and experience the creep for yourself. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.